Blog Talk Radio. Kingway Fox Beer Locker's acting very weird Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very hot Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red, Zeta's cat, Kempak's hat, you has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are about to you can join us live by picking up your phone now, we talk about the series. Well, with that theme song, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe, that means it's time for another episode of Trek Talk, and I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and with me as usual are my Trek experts. We'll start off with Eric. Eric's out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, I am doing super great. Uh, yeah, it's mid-50s, kind of rainy here, sort of typical Portland Northwest weather for the wintertime, uh, and there was a very excellent episode of Prodigy I'm super excited to talk about, so it's going to be a good night. Well, you know what? We're having a heat wave up here in Vermont. It's actually 32 degrees. Woo. So my wife's got the windows wow. cracked. It's it's a heat wave. It's a, it was considering <laughs> that it was it was 22 below zero with the wind chill factor last oh, night. That's so that's that's a heat wave. And uh, so, anyways, <laughs> it's like when Charles so cools down to 95 in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, he he has yeah. a cold spell of 80 in Vegas, and you know, and uh, we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. We actually, I think, got up to 61 today. We're getting oh, jump back! back I don't normal, want to hear that. But, but it's. A little bit like Eric's weather. It's cloudy, but we're not going to get any rain because it's too dry. Mm. Well, yeah, we we're supposed to get a big snowstorm rolling here. Leslie, it was 51 below zero up in Saranac Lake last what? night up where Leslie is. Can, if you can believe that. Wow. That's cold. So, guys, we have a great, great, and I mean great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to be live for the next two hours. Um, Our phone number here is 646-668-2433, currently 730 Eastern Standard Time. And we have with us on the line the one, the only, Noah Averbatch Katz. And you guys probably know him best. I'm going to say probably as Mr. Tilly, but that's not all. <laughs> he, he also played Rin on Star Trek Discovery Season 3. He played in three episodes, Rin. Do you guys remember? He's the Andorian that Osira chopped off his antenna, and he was can be seen in Scavengers, Sanctuary, and There is a Tide, which was an episode directed by the awesome Jonathan Frakes. But that's not all. Noah is also an avid D&D player. He even plays D&D with the cast members on the set of Discovery. So we've got a lot to talk about with Noah tonight. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. You give us a call and have your questions ready for Noah. We'll get you on the air live, and you can ask your questions. So 
Without any further ado, I'd like to introduce Noah. How are you doing tonight, Noah? Welcome I'm to the show. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. I also refer to myself as Mr. Tilly, but only when Mary's not around because she says, shut up when I say that. And I think <laughs> I need to re-record that theme song because I, I want to be in it. I feel like there's room for me either as Rin or just as Noah or as Mr. Tilly to get me in that theme song. So I'm ready. Absolutely. So, absolutely. You know, there's a funny story about that theme song. <laughs> well, years and years, years ago, I mean, like back in the 90s, I was running Star Trek conventions in upstate New York and a local TV station, Billy Joel, came to town and we were having our Star Trek convention. So one of the guys at the station took the Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Series, and set it to the TNG, which was perfect for our convention since Marina Sirius was going to be there. And it was great. Well, when I did the podcast, I blew off the dust, pulled it out, and we, we played it as our intro. But it didn't quite fit anymore because there's so much more Star Trek than TNG. So I sat down and I rewrote the lyrics. And Eric, our very own Eric, re-recorded it. And that's the version that we play before the show now. So uh, I think I'm going to get Billy Joel on the line and see if we can get him in studio to lay down that uh, uh, few extra lines for you. Now we're talking. That's, yep. that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if Billy Joel would do that for us. Come on, buddy. <laughs> I think he would. would. Yeah. He's not I think doing so. anything. <laughs> yeah, he's hanging out at Madison Square Garden for the next 28 weeks. He, he's exactly. got nothing to do. Exactly. <laughs> so um, before we get started, Noah, I, I talked to you a little bit in chat, but you you have been and always shall be a Star Trek fan. You You were a Star Trek fan before. Uh, you were Mr. Tilly or, or Rin, correct? This is true. I, I grew up, my mom, who I'm sure is tuning in right now. Hi, mom. Hi, Rochelle. Uh, <laughs> she basically put me down in front of the TV and was like, look, I'm not going to decide your life for you. I'm not going to decide what you're going to do for a job or who you're going to be or whatever. But I am going to decide that you are a Star Trek fan. So get watching. And so basically from a young age, I grew up watching reruns of TNG and I grew up watching uh, the, the very you know, last few episodes of Voyager and then all of the TNG movies. And then uh, when I was, you know, 12, 13, watching Enterprise uh, week, week to week, like in the old days when it just, you know, you'd. You have to go on the, you have to be there at the right time in the right place. Um, and all yeah. my friends would come over and we would have a, uh, a, what was called a Star Trek party where we'd watch an, an episode of Enterprise. And uh, my mom would write up a quiz about all the random stuff that happened in the background. Like, you know, what was the ambassador's last name or what color was the engineer's uniform who exploded early on to really train us to start looking at all that, you know, hardcore Star Trek geekdom stuff. Uh, And then every once in a while she'd, uh, throw me and a friend or two in the back of our van and we drive to Pasadena or Sacramento or wherever and go to the the basement of some Marriott and, and do a Star Trek convention. Wow. So who's who's the earliest who's the first actor you, you met at a convention that you can remember? Oh, I'm sure my mom's screaming at, 
at her computer right now, probably because she can't get it to work, but maybe because of this. But, I, you know, I don't really remember who the first one I met. You know, there's a picture of me with Will Wheaton. I remember meeting uh, Robert Picardo and I think maybe I might have. Now, that was probably too early to meet John Billingsley. Um, you know, we have our picture taken, a family picture with Patrick Stewart together. Uh, we have an autograph of Brett Spiner. Yeah, all sorts of, all, all, all kinds of people. It, you know, it was different back then because you didn't have a cell phone to record any of it in the same way, you know? So it all, oh. you left and then three, you know, it's all, it's all, I'm sure my mom remembers perfectly, but I don't, I don't remember, but I do remember, you know, I remember one time me and some friends were in like the gym of a hotel and, uh, and I think Robert Picardo walked by and just sort of waved at us because we all knew who he was and we waved at him and we just thought it was the coolest thing that had ever happened in our, (laughs) in our lives. So I I remember some things very distinctly. Yeah. Star Trek conventions were different back then than we have today. Simply be no multimedia, you know, I, I remember going to a convention and Marina Sirtis would do a, a, a Patrick Stewart impersonation and call him Old Baldy. <laughs> and she would tell us all kinds of things. Oh, we just filmed an episode where Q came back. Mm. And then she'd go, I wasn't supposed to say that. And uh, yeah. but, but we couldn't run home and put it on the internet and tell everybody because we didn't have that. So Yeah, what are you going to you know, do about it? Yeah, what are you going to do? So that was back in the good old days, actually. But now... Now you're on the other side of the table. That's true. So things That's are a little true. they're a little bit different now. So what the conventions yeah. look like from from the other side of the table? Well, you know, it's been a great experience. I, I really felt like even when I was shooting, that my experience wouldn't be complete until I got to do conventions. So I worked really hard to try and make that happen, and and I've got to do quite a few so far. I was in Vegas. I was at. Uh, Dragon Con, which isn't a Star Trek convention, but it's still a convention. I did a, a convention in New Jersey, and then I did one in London. And I've just had a really amazing time. You know, I think one of the great things about it is that because I've been on the other side of the table, I really comprehend how meaningful those interactions can be with people and how they can stick with you and and really buoy your spirits for long, long after the convention has finished, you know? And so I feel really lucky to be on the other side of the table in a position where I can um, offer people those experiences, you know, an experience that is memorable and that is uh, personal and that really feels like you get to have a, a unique and special experience that kind of, makes you smile when you think back on it. So, you know, that's sort of what I try to do on my side of the table now. Um, And it's just, for me, it's just so much fun because everyone who comes to see me is so excited and is just happy to talk to me and I'm happy to talk to them and, and, and happy to learn their story and their, you know, their Star Trek history, which is always interesting to me. Um, And, uh, and, you know, it's still, I still kind of feel more comfortable on the fan side of things, if I'm being honest. You know, I've been on the fan side for, for 30 years, and I've been on the other side for two. So I feel way more comfortable uh, in the fan world. So it's just, been, it's just been really fun to get to go and uh, get to go do that, you know, and get to, you know, judge a costume contest 
you know, and you know, I'm sure you all know, and everybody listening knows, sometimes at a, at a Star Trek convention, a panel might start to lag or drip or, you know, be very um, dry sometimes. So I really make it my business when I'm on a panel to keep it as entertaining as possible and as unique as fresh so that you really have that, that fun experience, like you're seeing something really special and getting to be a part of it. Now, uh, did you ever get involved in cosplay when you were going to conventions? Did you ever dress well, up as a Klingon or an Andorian? Off, first off, when and I know you know this, but <clears throat> when we were going to when I was going to conventions, there was no such thing as you know, quote unquote, cosplay. People weren't cosplay. Yeah, we invented it. They were we dressing it. up as <laughs> Star Trek characters, and people were looking at them strange. You know what I mean? Uh, so. You know, it's it's fun. It's cool to see how it's like so mainstream and and everything. But back in the day, it was not mainstream. And you know, I when I was going to conventions, I was like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, and I was definitely not in the uh, the emotional or mental uh, state to dress up uh, fully. You know, I would throw on a shirt or something like that, something to signify that you know I was I was there and I was on your side. Uh, but you know, my mom would throw on a uniform. And go for it. And a friend or two would throw on some Vulcan ears uh, and, and parade those around. And, uh, and I think, you know, at the last convention, my dad in 2012 put on, put on a full uniform with my mom and, and finally, finally gave up the fight. That's awesome. <laughs> Does anybody come up to your table dressed up as Rin? Well, I don't think anybody's done Rin, but I get a lot of Andorians. Rin's challenging because, you know, the best, the, one of the great parts of cosplaying as an Andorian is getting to show off how you do your antenna, you know? Like, there's so many different ways to do them, whether they're prosthetics or whether they're like a hairpiece or sewn into a wig or, you know. And if you have to cut them off, then you don't get to show off the best part. So I haven't seen anybody as Rin yet, but I've seen many, many wonderful Andorians. So let me ask you this, a, a question about Rin. Growing up as a Star Trek fan, you, you've seen the, I, I guess I'm going to call them the classic Andorians. Sure. Well, the, the, the uh, Discovery Andorians are quite a bit different from the original Andorians. Sure. So what did you think about that change at, when, you were, when you sat down in the chair and they said, you're going to be an Andorian? And then well, I'll you tell, saw yeah. what Rin looked like, and it was quite different. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when you're sitting in the chair and they're putting stuff on you, you don't care. You know what I mean? Like at that point, I got to the chair. They could have splashed, you know, a bunch of dirt on my face and said, go, go be on Star Trek. And I would have said, hell yeah. You know what I mean? So by that point, you, you, you lose that sort of, you know, "Mm, let me think about this. Let me, let me consider this. You're like, hell no. Get this, get this shit on me as fast as possible so nobody changes their mind. I don't care what I look like. Get me on camera. I can't believe I'm going to be on Star Trek. I look like a freaking alien in, in the mirror. So, you know, on set, I definitely was not having any of those thoughts whatsoever. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Here, the thing about, like, a lot of the remodels and stuff is, I'm perfectly honest, like, a lot of it is stuff that I don't understand because it's deeply wrapped into, like, the prosthetics world, which is a world that 
I feel like all the people who work in prosthetics know really well and Doug Jones. Doug knows that world incredibly well. And everyone who works in prosthetics does it well. I don't really know it that well um, because this was my first prosthetics job. And even there, you know, I'm just trying to learn how to act in the prosthetic, how to survive in the prosthetic. I don't really have the bandwidth to, to like investigate why, why certain decisions are being made. Um, in terms of like, you know, comparing to Shran, it's interesting because, I mean, obviously, you know, Jeffrey looks amazing in those and the motorized antenna are incredible and he just looks awesome. And that powder blue is so nice. But, you know, when you go back and watch those episodes in HD, it looks amazing. It also kind of looks bad sometimes. Do you know what I mean? You can really see the seams. You can see the places where his lip is coming through. Uh, and so, it, you know, I have, I have a deep affinity for all Star Trek and all Star Trek prosthetics in particular, because now that I've done them, I look very closely at them. And part of that affinity is also realizing like, oh, now that this isn't on you know, a 32-inch VCR TV anymore, and it's in my HDTV, I can see where, like, they're just, like, you know, threw some paint on them and said, get out there, Jeff, you got this. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like, those, you know, those moving antenna are incredible, and I, I, just, I love them both. You know what I mean? I, I, thankfully for me, I didn't, have to, I didn't have to make a decision. I had to put on the mask and make it work. And I got to love this mask. And I never looked and felt like, oh, I don't, I don't understand this alien in front of me. You know what I mean? When I'm looking at it, I never felt like I don't really get who this is supposed to be. Um, and yeah, why, you know, why they do redesigns, why they change it is stuff that is, is fairly opaque to me as the actor who just kind of wants to be on Star Trek. And how long did it take you to step into the character over in, in the makeup chair? <laughs> the whole, like, you know, so, your story's about Doug Jones, obviously. Well, so, so, yeah. So Dougie is, you know, he's on another level. We can get to that in a bit. But for Scavengers, my first episode, so I had this little, like, beard. And that beard had to be applied strand by strand with glue. And then these, there were long white hairs that had to be scissor hand cut up to my face. So the whole prosthetic process from sitting in the chair, getting the, you know, the, the, getting the full prosthetic on, getting it painted, putting the actual wig on, going back in the chair, and then putting the beard on, that took about five and a half hours in total. Wow. Uh, and it was also because it was the first episode, people were, you know, each, each time you put the prosthetic on, it is a brand new, essentially rubber mask uh, that is just like light blue. And all of the texture and color and everything comes from physically painting that rubber mask. So especially in the first episode early on, the prosthetic people are learning how to paint the mask, how to make it look good, how to give it color and texture and and they have a bit more trial and error. So that added a bit of time. So in Sanctuary and There is a Tide, the next two episodes, uh, they got rid of the beard and everyone got a little bit more comfortable with uh, how to paint it. So it came down to about three and a half hours uh, at the end. 
Well, that's cool. So what you mentioned there is a tide. I wanted to ask you, what was it like working for Jonathan Frakes? We hear all kinds of stories about how the actor can really relate to him because he's an actor himself. Mm -hmm. He's a legacy Mm -hmm. character from TNG. What was it like for you to be directed by the, the incredible Jonathan Frakes? Yeah, so Jonathan directed Sanctuary and There is a Tide. So he directed two of my three episodes, which was incredible. Um, and I was so thankful I was wearing the mask, especially on Sanctuary, that first episode I did, because I was so nervous and excited and just sort of like overwhelmed to get to work with him that I was like absolutely bright red blushing under my mask. Uh, so I was so happy that there was something there to protect him from seeing how goofy I was. Um, <clears throat> it was it was amazing. You know, he is a fantastic director all around. You know, it, it's great because he, he brings such a, <clears throat> excuse me, just like a Star Trek gravitas that everyone just sort of believes in whatever decision he's making. Um and he really he does understand actors and he also understands like the challenges of making a, a science fiction show where it's like, oh, this thing that we want to do isn't working. You know, this cool idea we had is just too much. Let's find something else to do on the fly and like make it work. So that happened a couple of times, especially with Grudge, where we just sort of like changed it on the fly and it wound up being great. And He's just super open to listening to your ideas and your suggestions, but he also, he holds the whole episode in his head as well. So if your tone for the senior in is off with the next scene or two that you might not even be in or, or not know the tone of, he's able to really put you back on the right track. Um, and then he's always singing like show tunes from 1925 at the top of his lungs and screaming all the time. So it's just a really fun, fun set to, to, to be on. Now you mentioned grudge. Um, grudge has, has a new book out actually the book of grudge. And we're going to have Rob Perlman on to talk about that a little bit later in the, in our season here, but, what, is, is Grudge a diva? What can you tell us about working with Grudge? Does, does Grudge hang out in his trailer all day and only come out once in a while? What is Grudge like? Grudge? So I, I think there is a giant media apparatus designed to make Grudge as palatable and as uh, paint, paint Grudge in as good a, life as, a light as possible. But I am a Grudge. Uh, I, I want to tell the truth about Grudge is that Grudge is an absolute diva. Grudge was make, make wanted to destroy me. Grudge wanted to attack me and bring me down. Um, you know, in in the scene with Grudge. Okay. Also, what really really gets my goat is like David has a scene with Grudge and it's like purring and nuzzling on David. Mary has a scene with Grudge and Grudge jumps on her back. It's so cute. Oh my god. Then I have a scene with Grudge. We're in that scene. Basically, you know, I'm freaking out. Detmer's flying this ship. I'm having a meltdown. Grudge is supposed to jump on my lap, nuzzle me, and calm me down so that (laughs) we can continue. It doesn't ever, not even once does that get close to happening. 
They they have to pick the cat. The cat was fine. The cat is fine. But they had to pick the cat up and throw it into my lap. And I had to catch it. You can see it's a really short, like, cut of this cat just sort of falling in my lap. And then I'm, like, holding this cat. And two or three takes in, my arms are, are, are truly sore from trying to pin this cat to my chest because it so badly wants to get away. Every time I let go, it sort of runs off the console, scampers away. You can see that my leather costume is just riddled in cat scratches, just absolutely destroyed by this cat. And I turned to Jonathan. I was like, look, Jonathan, I, I know that in the script, it's supposed to comfort me, but like, I just don't think this is going to happen. Is it all right if I just throw this cat and just kind of get on with everything? He was like, yes. Oh my God, this is a great idea. Thank God for that idea. This cat is driving me insane. So <laughs> take that information as you will, but I, 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 I pick a, I pick a bone with, I pick a grudge with grudge. And I feel like in that book, in the book, it even like says something like, I don't know if I really get along with Andorians. And I'm like, Oh, even that you're going to sugarcoat. (laughs) (laughs) So ask, ask ask Perlman about that. That's all I'm saying. So I also wanted to ask you one of my favorite, one of my favorite scenes is with, with, with you and, and Tilly, your wife, when you're talking about the, the Federation uh, prison <laughs> Summer camp. camp. Summer so what camp. was that like to do a scene with your wife? Uh, that was just so much fun. That was so much fun. You know, it, it was interesting because we, we went to um, graduate school. We went to Juilliard together. That's where we met. And we got to act quite a bit there together. But we hadn't really done anything together since we graduated in almost six years, maybe. And she had been working on Star Trek this whole time. And, you know, particularly, particularly in that first scene we did where I sort of st- storm into uh, Saru's office and she sort of, you know, says, what are you doing? Uh, it was just so cool to walk into that room having really not been in a scene with her for almost years and really feel like, oh, my gosh, like she is so comfortable on the set. This is absolutely her house. She is kicking ass. This is so cool. I really need to step up my game. Uh, so that was really, really fun. And I also think, you know, one, one of the really funny things was that in that scene, uh, I, I was like, all right, this is like, this is my standoff with Tilly. You know, this is like, I'm acting against my wife. Like, let's bring it. Let's go. You know, I'm going to come in super hot. Where's the goddamn captain? Get out of my way, you know. And she's giving it right back to me, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, we're re- we're 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 really building up some fire between the two of us, and, and having a great time. And I finished the first take, and maybe second take, and Jonathan comes over. He says, no, a really good job, really good job. I just really need you to, uh, I don't know, just cool the fire a little bit, just just bring it back, you know. And I was I was devastated, you know. I was like, oh my god, I've I've let Jonathan down. This is terrible. I'm a horrible actor. And I, you know, the rest of the day, I'm just like, just try and get through, man. Just don't let, don't cry. Don't cry today. So we finished shooting and Mary and I are walking together back to our trailers. And she's, I look over and she's kind of, you know, looking down and looking kind of bummed. And I'm like, you know, sweetie, what's up? Are you, are you okay? And she's like, well, like Jonathan came over to me and he told me I needed to chill out. I was going way too hard at you in this scene. I was like, oh, my God, we both came in with the same idea. 
to absolutely go absolutely ham at each other. And Jonathan was like, you guys need to chill out. This is not a, uh, this is not a scene about, you know, your, your marriage. This is about book down on the planet, which I just thought was so funny. Uh, and, and of course, Jonathan was right when I watched the scene, it was like, oh yeah, this isn't about me and Tilly. This is about a book. So let's, let's get back on task here. Uh, so that, that was really fun too. Well, she, Tilly did put you in your place though. She did burn you pretty good. She did. She <laughs> absolutely did. And well-deserved. And well-deserved. Yeah, she did. And I, I just want to ask you, uh, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to turn you over to my co-host. I have one more question as a Star Trek fan. What is your favorite Star Trek series? Now, we know it's Discovery, obviously, because <laughs> you're on Discovery and Mary's on Discovery. So barring Discovery, what's your favorite Star Trek series? Yeah, you know, I get asked this question a lot. Obviously, they're all great. You know, we've been doing a bit of rewatch of, re-watch of DS9, and that's an awesome show. But if I'm really being honest, <clears throat> I think my favorite is Enterprise. Part of it is because it was the show I grew up on, you know, so I really had it week to week and had that experience and not just sort of picking and choosing reruns. But I think what I really like about Discovery is that, I mean, sorry, about Enterprise is that it is all out there, the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, you know, it's all out on display best that Star Trek has to offer and the worst that Star Trek has to offer, the goofiest, the campiest. It's just like all in one package. And you can't really pick and choose episodes. You know, you can't, you can't say, oh, well, this episode's perfect, but we don't talk about, you know, Code of Honor or whatever. They're all sort of a hot mess in a way that I really love because you just, you, you have to just take it as it is and love it as it is, starting with the theme song. So, it, it, I think that one holds a very special place in my heart. Well, I'm, I'm absolutely glad that you said that, Noah, because we're going to take our first station identification break. And just like our theme song, we have a song that we play where, where they're going to serve <laughs> commercials, which was done by none other than Eric, who did our theme song. And I think you might like this one. We'll be right back, <laughs> I, guys, I, with I'm, Noah. Amazing. Our phone I'm number here is 646 six six eight two four three three we'll be back after this very quick message give us a call and have your questions ready for noah don't touch that dial it's been a long road getting from there to here it's been a long time but your time is finally here you can feel the change in your thoughts right now nothing's in your way and they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith, not your call We wanna hear what you have to say We've got faith to believe In just talking today You've got faith in your fingers All you gotta do is down now You can reach us right now we got faith, we got faith, faith that you call. And we're back. We have Noah with us, and we're talking about Star Trek, obviously. And what do you think, Noah? Eric, Eric recorded that one for us, too. You like Beautiful. it? Beautiful. 
it's beautiful. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's played the way it's meant to be played with a lot of heart. There you go. That one's yeah. perfect. You don't need to re-record that one. Nice. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and uh, we actually, we have a caller on the line here. Let me see if I can get my switchboard to work here. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Are you waiting for me? Yay. Hey, Shannon. Hey. Do you have a question wow. for Noah? <laughs> well, actually, I want to first give props to, I want props to his mom for making him a Trekkie. Good job, Mom. <laughs> Good job, Mom. Yes, indeed. Yes. And I know you talked about the fact, you know, that, you know, you've always been a Trekkie, but is it like the coolest job ever just to be on Star Trek since you're fan? Uh, the answer is 100% yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it was funny because there was a part of me that was really worried about being on the show because what if I have a bad time? You know, what if this thing that is so meaningful to me and my mom and my family and I get on show and everyone's a jerk and I have a really bad time and I just have a really negative connotation with this thing. Um, but because of what I got to do on set and because of the atmosphere and the other actors mm. and the crew on set and how lovely they were and then just how much fun I had getting to do all the little different Star Trek things like getting beamed up while running and then while I'm running on the other <laughs> side of the ship making sure I run into the wall, you know, like doing those little things getting my little medical space blanket, all sorts of just little Star Trek things that for me felt like a big deal, but to everybody else was like, what are you talking about? Was just, <laughs> it was just so much fun to get to do. That's awesome. Noah, what, what, what is it like to walk onto the bridge of the discovery and, and walk down the hallways and see some of those sets? Are they, are they as impressive in person as they come across on screen? They are more impressive in per- person. I'm telling you, these are, it's like a full ship in these massive, massive soundstage. I, you know, the first thing I started doing once, once everybody knew me on set before I was even on the show is just walking into empty sound stages. Obviously not okay, but I was like, well, who's going to stop me? They're off shooting another TV show. So I would walk around, you know, I, I, you can literally get lost in the hallways of discovery, you know, you can be walking down, you turn, there's a transporter room, you turn, there's the mess hall. And then you make another turn. You're like, wait a second. Like I have to double back because I've gone in some loop and I don't know where I am. Um, And then going on the bridge is amazing. You know, it's huge. You can sit in the captain's chair and press the button and the little side piece comes up and all the screens are all around and it's all, you know, a lot of the screens are like LCD screens. So you can see like live feeds on them. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's just an amazing experience to just get to be able to walk around when nobody else is there too. I mean, that is so cool as well to just sort of have it to yourself. It, it, it's just, it really just makes you feel like you're that, – that really feels like you're living a Star Trek nerd's dream, you know? Yay. Wow. <laughs> so let me ask you a Star uh, Trek fan question, and then I'm going to turn you over to Eric. What right. do you think happened to Prime Lorca? you think he's still around somewhere, or do you think he's gone and <laughs> forgotten? As a fan. As one of us. As a fan, I would think that 
Prime Lorca goes to the mirror universe, he's not lasting very long. I think he's freaking toast. That's my he's that's toast. my fan answer. That's my fan answer. You can take it or leave it, but that's my fan answer. That, that's a fair answer. That's because we had we had Dayton Ward on the show, and uh, he actually they they he wrote a book about. Uh, help me out here, Eric. I'm about to get the title wrong. <laughs> that one was that one was uh, desperate measures. Desperate mm. measures, no, and drastic, we did we reviewed measures. Oh, measures. you got but... it wrong too. Uh, <laughs> I did, I did, but I remembered you, right away. I put you on the spot. You got <laughs> you it wrong. Did. <laughs> and and uh, uh, they made him. They uh, Christian Beyer had him put a little like couple pages at the end where Prime Lorca wakes up in a prison cell in the mirror universe. Well, we think it's the mirror universe, so yeah. he's not dead. Mm. Yeah. He's alive. All and right. So well, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm he, sure. Listen, I, I'm sure you know it makes no sense from the production standpoint to you know remove a great actor like Jason Isaacs, a great guy. Uh, but uh, do I think uh, Prime Lorca could survive in the Mirror Universe? No. That's just my opinion. Just my opinion. No. What did you think when they, as a fan, obviously, when we got that twist, that Mirror, that Lorca was well, actually I, I, I was not, Here's the thing. I knew it was coming. I had read all the scripts. Are you kidding oh. me? Like, Mary's getting scripts. Oh. I'm flipping oh, through them. Sure, I'm like, sure. get me to the end, you know? Tell me what happens, babe. Like, I got to know. <laughs> Oh, oh man, it so, must have been oh. so hard. Because we we were flipping out over that whole thing. I yeah. mean, we we talked about it for weeks and weeks, and it was a big big deal for us when we yeah. found that out. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because early on, I would I would just absolutely hound Mary for everything and read all the scripts. But actually, what I sort of came to realize <laughs> that I had I really enjoyed it a lot more watching it. Uh, without knowing exactly what's coming. So I try to stay away from reading all the scripts, but it doesn't always happen. Does Mary watch, does she watch Star Trek with you? Do you watch it together Um, or does she not watch herself on the show? We do. We used to sometimes early on. I think now that it's been going on for so long and because we're sort of in the house so much, she sort of watches it at her leisure. You know what I mean? Um, so sometimes we watch it together. Sometimes she just will throw it on her phone and check it out. You know, it's very right. casual. It's a very casual thing, mainly because like, you know, you shoot this show and you, you know, I, I really can't stress enough how much everyone on set is just absolutely busting their ass to make the show happen. And then like, you know, six months or a year go by and you're like, well, you know what? I actually sort of like, not in terms of like the story or the experience or like the connection with fans, but in terms of like the actual product, like I'm sort of done with my end of the product. And so I don't feel the need to like make it an event because I already sort of put a ton of emotional labor and physical labor into making it happen already. You know what? I have hogged up so much of your time and I know, I know that Eric and Charles want to have some equal time and they have some questions for you. So I'm going to I'm going to let Eric jump in here and uh, All right. he's got some questions to ask you as well. So take it away, Eric. Yeah, this is awesome Noah. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Sure. And I think what we'll do is we'll just kind of we'll just kind of pivot a little bit and kind of go on to what I understand is one of your big hobbies. So uh, can we talk Dungeons and Dragons for a second? Hell yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> of course we can. That's awesome. Yeah, so, so 
Yeah, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, 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 please. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, so we, we sort of understand that, uh, that you're pretty into the game, that you are a DM, that in fact, potentially you have been DM maybe uh, for the Discovery cast as well. And so I just really want to know more about that whole situation. Uh, whatever you could tell us, I would be very interested in learning. Yeah, so, you know, I've been playing not super long, maybe like six years now. Um, and I had sort of bandied the idea around of starting up a game uh, during season three because I was up in Toronto with Mary then. But then I got cast in the show, and I was like, oh, well, I don't need to do that. Um, but as we're looking forward to season four, which shot, you know, basically like August to – basically like August to August, more or less – sort of right in the heart of some of the toughest times in the pandemic, especially up in Canada, I was sort of starting to float the idea of uh, starting up a game as a way for me and the cast to have something to do since it looked like and was true that we wouldn't be able to uh, hang out in person while we were up in Canada because things were so locked down and this is all pre-vaccine. So, uh, So I sort of floated the idea and Anthony and Blue just sort of absolutely jumped on it. And it just was like, oh, we are doing this. This is happening. You know, Anthony is such like a mega ultra nerd and Blue is like super into D&D. So, yeah. So basically, you know, for, I don't know, I think like, you know, about 22 weeks, we played D&D over Zoom. Uh, and it was just a really, really fun thing to do. It was, it was a really good um, momentary placeholder for like in-person meetings. And, you know, I felt like one of the saddest and ch- most challenging things about everybody during the toughest parts of the pandemic was that you weren't getting to kind of create new stories with your friends. You know, in like November, it was like, well, I, I just can't do another Zoom drinks. I have nothing to say, you know? Things are the same as they were back in, in June. What do you want from me? So this was like a great way for us to get together and kind of make new stories, you know? Let's beat the bad guy. Let's have this crazy fun experience. Um, and we just had a really, really good time. And, and everybody was sort of like, what is going on over there? You know, what are these people talking about on set, you know? Um, and it was great. And Anthony then, you know, he would like post out recaps of our sessions on Twitter and people were sort of starting to follow along and get really into it, which was really fun. Um, and then we sort of like kind of hiatus because the season was coming to an end and vaccines were rolling out and we were able to go outside again. It was like, I don't want to spend another minute in front of Zoom if I don't have to. And it was, you know, it was great. Uh, and then, you know, when I, when I got... Um, picked up for Star Trek Las Vegas, I, I pitched the idea of us doing a live D&D session at Star Trek Las Vegas. And, you know, the, the producers there were like, I don't understand what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, fine. You know, you got all these people together. Here's some time. Here's like the last time slot we have open. Uh, I, I I don't know what you're talking about at all, but like, go for it. And it was super fun. You know, it was, it was an amazing uh, crossover in terms of fans. Like some people were deep into D and D we were speaking the same language. We we're totally invested in what was going on. And then like, it was like half and half, like the other half of people had no 
goddamn clue what was happening, but they were having a great time because really the enjoyment of something like that is uh, just getting to watch these actors who you love and whose personality you like and want to get to know better show more of themselves, show other sides of themselves that we'd have to see, improvise together, joke together, hang out together like you would around a table with a bunch of Doritos and some Mountain Dew, you know? So it's a really fun, unique experience. And, and we did that in Vegas and we did it in London. And we are go, we've like launched a Twitch channel, which is Disco Does D&D on Twitch, uh, to, to stream some live games as well. And, and just because it's fun, you know, it's, a, it's an excuse for us to all play together. It's an excuse for us to interact with a really, really great side of the, the Star Trek community and the D&D community and kind of almost like give back to them because they've been so welcoming to us as well. Um, and so I'm really looking forward to getting to play with everybody. I play an Anthony's home game, which is like him and me and uh, his fiance Ken and then some of his friends. But I haven't really had the chance to play with Anthony and Blue and Ian uh, for, you know, since the beginning of uh, 2021 or uh, except at uh, Vegas. So I, I'm really just really looking forward to that. It should be a lot of fun. That sounds fantastic. I had no idea that you had a Twitch channel going now. Yes. So that's, that's pretty fun. It's up. Yeah, you can find it on Twitch at Disco Does D&D with, uh, 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 what do you call them, underscores in between, or we're on Twitter and Instagram at Disco Does D&D. And it was the three uh, actors who were in your campaign during season four, Anthony, Blue, and Ian? Yeah, we, uh, we've got it's, – it's me DMing Anthony, Blue, and Ian – um, Mary was in the original game with us. She's going to be working on a play, so um, she might come in and guest. And then, you know, Emily Coots was playing with, with us a lot, so maybe we'll have her come in and guest. And, you know, we want to kind of bring in a mix of Star Trek people who maybe have never played before, but who, you know, have heard us talk about it for a year and are like, all right, I want in. And also <laughs> kind of like nerd realm people as well. You know, it just kind of expand the circle and bring a lot of people in. Absolutely. It seems like a good kind of crossover place for that, that sort of thing to happen. Can I, can I put you on the spot? Do you remember uh, what types of characters sure. um, these folks played? Because that yes. to me is of just like an insight into their psychology, right? All right. So Mary <laughs> was, uh, let's see, I'm looking at all their minis. Emily was a half elf or an elf uh, cleric. Blue was a human wizard. Anthony was a half-elf druid. Ian was a elf bard. And Mary was a Goliath barbarian. <laughs> Why did I know that you were going to say <laughs> It was super fun. I love Ian as the elf bard, too. That's fantastic. Yes, yes. <laughs> They absolutely committed to the bit too. They were they were awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I'm gonna have to check out the the Twitch channel for sure. Yeah, our uh, our first stream is Sunday at four Eastern time. So uh, okay, come well, hang out with us. Just in time. Um, so have you since you're such D and D fans? Uh, have you played the uh, Star Trek the Adventures? Star Trek Adventures. You know, I haven't. So uh, so we get asked about this a lot. I think like for Anthony, Anthony's like. I don't really want to play Star Trek Adventures. Sure. I live Star Trek Adventures. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> it's his job, right? So, yeah. yeah. For yeah. me, I'm like, 
I'm I'm like waiting for the right moment because I feel like I I almost so so when I was in London there was like a Star Trek Adventures table with someone from Modiphius there and they sent me they were super nice and have sent me all the books but I like it was, I was my schedule was so packed I couldn't get over there so I'm I'm waiting for like a, a very official moment to sit down and like really play Star Trek Adventures I don't I don't feel like it's something I can do casually. Not, mm-hmm. not in the sense that I couldn't enjoy it casually, but like if I'm going to do it, like I really need to, it really needs to be done properly, if you, you know what I mean. So it's, it's very much on my radar, and it's truly only a matter of time before, you know, I, I'm, I'm playing that game as well. That makes a lot of sense. I'll tell you that I have, I have a lot of fun. We put an over text game on Discord. And Amazing. It turns out- that's not a bad way to do it. It's uh, like the old days. You know, you just People it. love it. You know, everyone I've talked to has really, really fond feelings about that game. Well, for a good friend Nate, who often calls into the podcast, but we don't have on tonight, I need to ask you one other D&D question before uh, we move on. Uh, which version do you guys play? We play five point. We play five five e. Although they're moving to five point five, so we're going to have to transition to to five point five shortly. Right on, right on. I uh, I do not know what that means, but it's important <laughs> Good. to make sense. So whoever, whoever needed to know the answer at least knows that I'm paying attention. They're like, why aren't you playing 3.5? I'm not playing 3.5, all right? I'm not playing Pathfinder. I do know about Starfinder. I think it's cool. It's a lot to learn. I'm well-versed, but I have very, uh, you know, I'm not super smart, so I can't really hold too many game systems in my head at once. That is a completely reasonable response to that. Uh, you know, I, I can barely hold one, uh, and I'm not even running it. So exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to I want to get you on to Charles. Uh, I just have two quick Andorian questions uh, before yes. I pass you along. So yes. uh, first of all, one statement: anything's better than a TMG Andorian. So at least that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. yeah. I mean that that's truly a classic. That might be my favorite Andorian of all time. Truly amazing. <laughs> I just it, every time I see one. One, I just it warms my heart just a little bit. It's a beautiful uh, thing. It's a beautiful thing. And then uh, <laughs> lastly, did you get to keep any like cool Rin stuff, like a face or? A, a I have the when they take off the mask, they have to cut it off. It's not like it slides on and off. They, it, it's like a, almost like a cast. Like you have to cut off a cast. Uh, so I have a section of my head which has my cutoff antenna and like my eyebrows basically. Okay. Okay. So you do have a little bit of something it's in there, a bag is, in my closet. It in a bag in your closet. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't it be in a frame, man? Come on. It probably should, but it's kinda weird you know, it's kinda weird. It, it's like it's like putting it's like framing a bandage or something like that. It probably right. stinks. Or a horrible burn victim. Well um, exactly. That was awesome. I love talking uh, about D&D with you there. I'm going to pass you along to Charles. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, yeah, man. Well, there's not a whole lot I can bring up that you guys haven't brought up already. I've I actually had a bit of having a lot of fun with role-playing myself. <laughs> Our friend Nate, we were playing a uh, miniatures game called Shadows of Brimstone which led to a role-playing game of a series called Deadlands, which is an old uh, Wild West with a lot of it, big big changes. Is that like a Cthulhu-style you know, Wild West game? 
there is a little bit of Cthulhu type thing. We did we did that we did get some undead in there. Sure. And some unknown type characters, a lot of a little bit of that type thing. And now we're having a bit of fun because we just started a brand new game, and we're doing Mass Effect. Oh, nice! Very looking, cool. So we're looking, have, we're having some fun with that one. Very cool. So we have a ball. Uh, I will throw out one question. Is uh, and why I can't think of her name right now. Michael Burnham. Is Sinequa? Sinequa. Sinequa. I hear Sinequa just is the lead of the crew. Where she's kind of the big motivator. And I've heard about the game sessions she brought people mm-hmm. over when it started. And I just would love to hear a story about her. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Sinequa is she's just she's just really incredible because you know she's the lead of the show she's an executive producer and she really sets the tone for a show you know i think a lot of the fans have commented how well the discovered cast gets along how they all really seem really close and friendly and we're always joking with each other and it just seems like it's everyone feels relaxed around each other everyone behaves in a way that every, makes everyone feel comfortable. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with an incredible group of people who have been assembled. But I think that real sense of camaraderie does come from the top down and come from the example that Sonequa sets. You know, she's so genuine and warm and caring and thoughtful and really works. You know, I think she really considers being the lead of the show, setting an example, setting a precedent for how to behave and how to treat other people. Uh, she, she, she takes that seriously as part of her job. Um, and, you know, and I think actually the best example of this is that my last day of shooting was the day that I got blasted. So it was like, it was all done. You know, it was very much the final, final day of, of shooting and, as I was shooting, you know, it was it was a pretty big scene. You know, you had Ken was there and, and Janet was there and, and a bunch of extras and, and David was there. But then I, I was sort of walking around set in between and like Doug was there out of costume, which was kind of weird because like, you know, he wasn't in scene. He was just like in the room. And I was like, it was just it was cool. It was great. You know, I love Doug and we were hanging out, but it was like Doug was there. And then like Anthony showed up out of costume and I was just like. I don't really understand what's going on, but like, that's cool. Like, let me just, you know, go finish the scene. So I finished the scene and they, you know, at the end of, uh, whenever somebody's last scene of their last day is they do what's called a clap out where you kind of just applaud somebody when they're done. Um, uh, and so they started my clap out to finish up and Sonequa sort of like pushed through the crowd knowing, you know, how important Star Trek is to me and my family and, and how much this moment has meant to me. And she, I actually think Mary gave it to me, but it was sort of via Sinequa, <clears throat> gave me a poster, which was essentially like my costume mock-up. So it was like a big, you know, big poster of me in my, um, 
my costume that le- like Gershom might use to, to like work on the costume. And it was signed by the whole cast, the whole crew, Jonathan Frake's signature, big in the middle. Um, and everybody was on set there to, to congratulate me. You know, people came out of their way uh, on their day off to come and congratulate me, to come send me off. Uh, because I had been around so much and, and because they all knew me and, and mainly because Sonequa made it happen. So that is really just like indicative of the kind of person that she is. And, and that sort of thoughtfulness and kindness uh, really just extends to everybody on the set, whether it's the actors or the crew or, you know, anybody else who's working there, I think would share that, that sentiment. Yeah. I got that idea from Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Las Vegas in 19. Mm-hmm. There were just constant praises of Shaniqua. Yeah. From yeah. all the crew. That they just all talked about how she just formed that connection with everybody. And I think yes. that, just, that made kind of what Star- Next Generation did, but mm-hmm. I think a lot earlier than next, what Next Generation. They, they, they built that connection a lot earlier than Next Generation did. Yeah, she's just the real so, deal, man. You know, she just yeah. is... She's just awesome, really, really awesome, and, and really lucky to to get to uh, to get to know her, you know. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know if you got a chance to work with Mary Wise at all. She's, <laughs> she's a real fun character. She's a yeah. real fun person at conventions too. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, I'll well, pass um, it back over to our host. Well, I wanted to see uh, Shannon. Are you still on the line? Yes, I'm still here. Did you Did you have anything yes. else you wanted to say to Noah, or any other questions? Well, I was, well, it wasn't a question. Is I'm sorry that you're not coming back. So well, I guess <laughs> there is one question. Could you do a different character? I mean, it won't be as cool as Ren. Yes, nothing will be cool. Uh, you know, obviously, if they ask me back, <clears throat> I will definitely come back. Um, it's It's really challenging because they shoot in Canada. There's all mm-hmm. these like t- difficult union rules. You can only use a certain amount of American actors and you have to use a certain amount of Canadian actors. So it's, it's not, and, and, and there's so few episodes that there's not very many parts to go around. So it's not like in the old days where you're doing 26 episodes and you're desperate for somebody who you can trust to, to nail a, an important role. And you're just like, you know, we got to get somebody in here. It's it's much more challenging to repeat roles just from the setup. But obviously, if they asked me back, I would do whatever they asked me to do. <laughs> because you're a fan, well, too. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Noah, I, I just want to say thank you so much for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. It was a blast to have you on. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Well, my, really my pleasure, you guys. Thank you, thank you for having me. I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. And I just, I just wanted to say, we, we talk, like I say, we talk about discovery every, every week. And I just wanted you to pass along to your awesome, lovely wife, how much we love her, and uh, how much we miss her on the uh, show, because <laughs> we've said this on the podcast so many times that uh, the character of Tilly is mm. kind of, is kind of like us. You know, yeah, when we watch Star yeah. Trek. We see a lot of us in Tilly. Like, if I was on the show, I would be Tilly. I and, love that, man. Um, you know, we relate to her character, and it's like it's like we're being seen on the show as a fan, you know. We all look at Tilly as as us. 
and we I really miss that. her, and and Welcome. we really wish her all the best. And if you could just let her know how much we miss her and how much we love her, that would be, I would really appreciate that. Because I will. I'll, I'll definitely tell her. I'll <laughs> definitely tell her. That means the world. Fact, I, I love that man. Yeah, in she, fact, she let is her awesome. Know that we love the novel. Oh One yeah, of you our know, favorite novel. So good. I, I I started reading that novel and I loved it. I think Una did an amazing job on that one. I haven't finished it yet, but I I got like two thirds of the way through. It's really good. It is. Yeah, it is. I, you know, it she is really people good. come up to her and be like, "That novel is 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 one of my favorite." I'm, I'm not I'm not surprised. So I, I'll I'll let her know all of that. <laughs> and I Thank I you. have a question from somebody that in, that that texted me that's listening and wanted to know <laughs> what did you think about Captain Killy? Which, which, which version of Tilly did you prefer Captain Killy in, in the leather with the straight hair or Tilly as she appears on discovery? Well, here's, here's, here's what I'll say. I'll say, uh, I, I love them both very much, but the Mary Wiseman I know and love is much closer in spirit to uh, Captain Killy than she is to Tilly. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> that's <love> fair. <laughs> that's, that's fair. We can take that. We can run with that. <laughs> well, anyway, I just wanted to get that in before we let you go because you're like our direct link to Mary as close <laughs> as we'll sure. ever get. So um, sure. pass that along. That, I will. That, how we feel about her and how much we miss her. And we wish her all the best of luck at Starfleet Academy. Whipping all those, <laughs> all those cadets into shape. Hell yeah. <laughs> thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I'll let her so, know. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on the show, Noah. We really appreciate it. Thank sure you so thing, much. guys. Bye-bye. All right. Good night. Uh, all right, guys. That was, that was uh, Mr. Rin himself or Mr. Tilly. We're going to take another quick <laughs> commercial break, but the show's not over yet. Oh, no, no, no. We still have some um, Star Trek news. Not a lot. We still have Star Trek birthdays to go through. We still have some fan shout-outs. And we're going to talk about last week's episode of Star Trek Prodigy, the, the Legends episode. So you want to stay tuned. Don't touch that dial. Run to the microwave. Run to the bathroom. But come right back because we're not done yet. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. So, we're, we just talked to uh, Noah Averbatch Katz, who plays Rin on Star Trek Discovery, also known as Mr. Tilly, and it was a blast. But we're going to be moving on now. We're going to continue our normally scheduled programming. So that means we're going to be doing our fan shout-outs. And uh, Eric, why don't you get us started? Yeah, you better believe it. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes to Christina Kapp from Germany. Uh, that's right, right there in Berlin, capital city. So, uh, Christina, thank you so much for listening to us from the middle of Europe right there. We're also saying hello and a, sending out a big shout-out to Munther Alaskri from Baghdad, Iraq. I can't remember the last person we had check-in from Iraq. So, Munther Alaskri, thank you for listening 
uh, from Baghdad. And we're also staying finally on my list, uh, a big hello and thank you to top fan Gord Thorne, who's in Sydney, but not that one, Nova Scotia, Canada. That's right. There's a Sydney up there too. And top fan status means that Gord interacts with us quite a bit on our Facebook page. So thank you very much, Gord Thorne, for listening to us all the way from across the northern border. Charles, who is on your list this week? Well, let's talk about top fan who is from that part of the other part of the country, Rossi Scott from Brisbane, Australia. Clifton Wickstrom is from Austin, Texas. And Crystal Alberney is from Kansas. Jim, what about you? Well, we'd like to say hello and thank you to Neil Hickey from Dublin, Ireland. My grandfather is from Ireland. And Louis Alexander from Maryland right here in the U.S. of A. And last but not least, Dale Lewis, who's from Southern Oregon. Interesting. I wonder, wonder if you've ever, ever bumped into Dale. Eric? Uh, I don't know. Southern awesome. Oregon is uh, quite a ways away, but uh, Dale, we are all Oregonians, so thank you very much for listening to us. Uh, perhaps we've met. I've been down to Medford. I've been down to Roseburg. I've been down the way, so maybe. You never know. And uh, now it's time for our Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, it was not. And Grumpy Wharf says that every week. So we always start off our show, our birthdays, with remembrances of those who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Take it away, Eric. Yeah, our very first remembrance this week goes out to writer-producer Gene L. Kuhn from the TOS period. Uh, Gene was around for a very long time, very integral to the beginnings of TOS, um, had very close relationships with everybody uh, around there. Uh, you know, eventually kind of ran into a dispute with Roddenberry, and he sort of left and then came back and and wrote some more uh, under a pseudonym of Lee Cronin. So uh, someone who's very deeply ingrained in Star Trek, uh, the lexicon of, of Star Trek. Uh, so Gene L. Kuhn would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to Gene. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday and sending our remembrances out to somebody who, who I personally uh, feel a connection with, though I never got to meet him, uh, Stephen Hawking. That's right, Stephen Hawking, the only person to ever actually play himself on Star Trek, uh, of course, was in TNG's episode Descent Part 1, uh, that, that famous poker game right at the beginning there with, uh, with Newton and, uh, and uh, Einstein and Hawking and all those guys. Um, what a great scene. What a amazing person. Uh, physicist, just like all, I mean, Everybody knows who Stephen Hawking is. I don't have to say too much about him. So. But it's cool to be able to count him among those uh, who are in our Star Trek family. So happy birthday uh, and remembrances to Stephen Hawking. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our love to Jane Ross. Uh, actress Jane Ross played the character of Tamoon in TOS's episode, The Gangsters of Triskelion. Uh, she's the sort of greenish 
mustard-colored, uh, pink-clad alien from that episode with the deep voice, um, who, of course, is a very integral part of that episode. And actually, a little bit of trivia. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in uh, 2381, a framed photograph of her and a couple of other characters was among several others uh, that were displayed on the walls of a bar in Starbase 25 on the Lower Decks episode, An Embarrassment of Duplers. So she not only appeared on TOS, but she appeared in cartoon form on a poster in Lower Decks, which is kind of cool. So That's happy cool. birthday to Jane Ross. Yeah. Uh, also, happy birthday to actress Angela Patton, uh, who played the character of Aunt Ada in Voyager's Caretaker, that uh, very beginning episode. And uh, if you've seen that episode, you know exactly who that character is. So happy birthday to Angela. And we're also saying happy birthday and sending out our love and remembrances to actor Felix Sia. Uh, he played... One of the Telosians in TOS is the Cage, uh, a, a very uh, short of stature one. In fact, uh, Sia was only three foot eleven, and was famous for a lot of different roles, not only being a Telosian, but uh, being in several other shows throughout his life. I know Jim's got one he wants to check in about. I'm going to say that I also knew this actor uh, from the old Adams Family show from the 60s. He actually played Cousin It on that show. Uh, and Jim, where do you That's also right. know Felix from? Well, if you guys saw a movie, a little movie that came out in 1983 called Return of the Jedi, he was the hang gliding Ewok. Yep. But if you grew up in the 70s watching television, then you probably know uh, know this character uh, who played on Buck Rogers. He was Tweaky. Um, and I actually had an opportunity to meet him at uh, um, Rhode Island Comic-Con. Uh, well, COVID's got me all screwed up. The last time we were allowed to go out in public, what, three mm-hmm. years ago, four years ago? Yeah, I don't something know. like that. I, I, I have a Buck Rogers poster that was signed by him, by Buck, and by Colonel Deering. All three of them were there, and I grew up watching them on TV every week, so I was really excited to get all three of them to sign my Buck Rogers poster. So um, he was a really that, nice guy, and we miss him. That is very, very cool. And, yeah, we just just lost him last April, so it uh, was not that long ago. So happy birthday and remembrances to Felix. Uh, and now uh, moving on to the folks who are still with us who have birthdays this week. Charles, who do you have? Oh, I rearranged my list a little bit to get them in a little better order. Catherine Collins. Put Aza and DS9's rival. And then the rest of my list is kind of a fun list. Hallie Todd played Lal in TNG's Offspring. I'm sure we all remember Data's daughter. In fact, I almost questioned about Data's daughter with Picard. Mm-hmm. So, even that one episode that she still brought up, Mark Allen Shepard played Morn in DS9. You know, it's so hard to get a word in edgewise. Whatever Morn is in a scene, he just never shuts up. He's constantly talking. 
amazing. I, I have to tell you, some, of my, well, some of my favorite DS9 scenes are the one where he's sitting there not saying anything, and Quark is talking to him, and Quark convinces himself of something, and Moore never says a word. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> And we got a bit of a tie-in with the next character because we all know who Morn really was. He represented what character? Norm. From a famous TV show? Norm. Cheers. From, yep, from Cheers. From Cheers. And, of course, who do we have next? Christy Alley. Who played Savick in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which we know better from her time in Cheers. Yep. yep. So that's a fun way to Rebecca. find that one together. Yeah, that's kind of cool that and they don't have a birthday this one, The last one, I'm rather surprised Jim gave this one to me. As a very happy birthday today. Una McCormick are one of our favorite authors. In fact, we just talked to our guests about The Way to the Stars, the Tilly book. We've also got Wonderland, the time Michael spent with uh, season three between episode one and two. And then, of course, also the uh, Captain Janeway. Yes, Captain Janeway novel. That's right. With Janeway. And she has a new Discovery novel coming out, too. Yes, I was just trying to remember the name of it, but I know it's coming out, I think, uh, within a month or two. It's coming out pretty soon. Uh, Yeah. And I will tell you that she yeah. was just one of my favorite guests that we've ever had. She came on the podcast and talked about Wonderlands. She made the time to do it at a very weird hour because, of course, she's in Great Britain, and the time change was pretty significant. And somehow, for most of the time, we were able to cut through transatlantic interference and actually get her on the podcast, and she was just a joy to talk to. Uh, just You can tell... She really lives and breathes these characters when she's writing about them. And just the way she would talk about Tilly um, just came through in what we read in the book. It was, it was amazing. She was awesome. Absolutely. Definitely. Okay, Jim, how about your side? Well, I've got, I've got a few here. I would like to say happy birthday to Jonathan Farwell, who played Captain Walker Keel in the TNG episode conspiracy. And, for you guys that don't remember, he's the guy that interviews, introduced Jack Crusher to Beverly Crusher. So mm-hmm. happy birthday to Jonathan. Uh, we'd also like to say happy birthday to Stan Ivar, who played Mark Johnson in the voice and persistence of vision. He was Mr. Janeway. He would have been Mr. Janeway. If you read the Janeway autobiography yeah. that Una McCormick wrote, you would have found out that they were going to be married. Um, as it is, he's yep. only he's only seen on the video screen talking to Captain Janeway, but uh, he would have been Mr. Janeway. So happy birthday the, to Stan Ivar. 
the book does a great job of flushing out how much he meant to Janeway, and it's something that the show kind of touched on just a little tiny bit, but the book does a great job of really kind of digging into Janeway's heart just a little bit about him, too. So, highly yeah. recommended. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And the next one, uh, we'd like to say happy birthday to Michelle Forbes, who played Ensign Rolaren on TNG, eight episodes she appeared on, so I'm not going to list all of them. But she also appeared, appeared as Dara on the TNG episode Half a Life, which is the one where Laloxana comes back and falls in love with uh, the dude from MASH, whose name escapes me right now. Yes. Um, with the spots uh, on his forehead. Yep. And uh, at the age of 60, they commit suicide. And uh, Laloxana uh, Troy talks him out of it. Yeah, go. that's it. Yep. And the Loxana Troy talks him out of it because he's on the verge of this great discovery. And Michelle Forbes is his daughter who wants him to commit suicide. And then, of course, at the end, that's exactly what he does. It, it's a really great episode. And it gives, it gives Majel a, a, an opportunity to show her acting chops. And that's uh, a really yeah. good episode. Uh, but she's also, I, I believe that Eric probably knows her the best mm-hmm. as Avril Kane from Battlestar Galactica Razor. She was a yes. badass. Uh, she was nothing like Commander Kane from the original Battlestar. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, they could not have found a better actress to play that part, I will say. She was very convincing. Yeah, she was, absolutely. Well, she also was on one of my wife's favorite shows, True Blood, as Marion Forrester, and, which, which is pretty cool. And uh, she was also Lieutenant Brazen in Escape from L.A., Escape from New York, one of my favorite movies. Escape from L.A., eh, not quite so much. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> happy birthday. It's got Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, that it, you, that it did. That it did. I would also like to say happy birthday to Rachel Harris, who played Maris in the Voyager episode before and after. She was Kess's mother. I must have missed that episode because I thought they – only lived seven years. So how did how did we get to meet Kess's mother? It must have been a flashback. When Kess went backwards in their timeline. Flashback. That's right. Oh, okay. That must time, that yeah. must be. Is it time? Yeah, I must. Yeah. I must have missed that one. I have to go back and check it out. We know I always do the flashback or time travel. Or time travel, right? <laughs> I always do the Klingons, obviously, unless they're no longer with us, in which case Eric does them. And I always do the Klingons last because I love Klingons. So we like to say, um, I, I, I can't highly say it in Klingon, but it's not a Klingon song. So I'm just going to say Kapla to Charlie Brill. And Charlie Brill played Aaron Darvin in TOS's episode, The Trouble with Tribble. But I think, I think his better version of that character was on DS9, Trials and Tribulations. Um, he just played that character just so awesome. And, um, yeah, so happy birthday to Charlie Brill. You guys remember that episode, right? Oh, heck yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah the Klingon, he's not a Klingon. Yeah. Yeah. And he was going to have a, a statue of him holding a triple in one hand and Kirk's yeah. head in the other. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. It was a great episode. And uh, um, that's the episode where, they're at the bar and they're like, those are Klingons. And they're like, Klingons, where? Where's the Klingons? Where's the Klingons? And Worf's like, we don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great scene. I wish they had left it like that. Well, I got to I gotta go with Noah on this. I mean, I actually personally think that's one of the cool things that Enterprise 
did right was they tried to retcon it, man, and it's not – it's kind of a believable story, you know? This is – at least it gives us yeah. a reason for it. It, it, it. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so, guys, we, we, we don't have a lot of Star Trek news, as I said, because I wanted to leave as much time for us to talk to Noah and for you guys to call in um, anyways. A six four six 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 eight two four three three is the number if you want to call and talk to us about Prodigy, which we're going to talk about next. Uh, so we do have one interesting bit of news that I thought was important enough to get into this week's episode. So we're going to do Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level 9 authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Black alert. Black alert. All right, we only have one story this week, and I gave it to Eric. So, Eric, what's going on in the world of Star Trek this week? Well, we have a little ray of hope as some of us sort of uh, descend into the slight depression of the Omicron haze here. Never fear, Star Trek Picard has returned to production following a COVID pause. That's right. Apparently, the old adage that the show must go on is in full force for the team behind Star Trek Picard, who returned to work after a short hiatus due to a COVID outbreak. Star Trek Picard paused on Monday after over 50 members of the production, which employs around 450 people in total, you can do the math, tested positive for COVID-19. While the report said some casts were included in the 50-plus case, that did not include star Sir Patrick Stewart. Yay. And as it turns out, the pause has already come to an end. A production restarted on Friday. Production on the third season of Picard began in early September 2021, immediately after production on the second season wrapped. The second season was originally slated to debut on Paramount Plus uh, this coming February, but with the decision to have Discovery take a five-week hiatus to return for the second half of its season on February 10th, it's reasonable to assume that Picard Season 2 will probably be pushed back a few weeks. And we've kind of talked about this, how they're likely to kind of run one show at a time. But uh, for me, that's really, really good news. Uh, you know, 50 out of, out of 450 was, a, what is that, 9% of the population of the show was, was testing positive for COVID. So the fact that they were able to isolate those people, probably test everybody else, and get the show back on the road um, is, is fortunate. And I am super happy that we got this little bit of good news today because I was a little bit worried that that might become a thing. Um, and particularly with somebody like Sir Patrick Stewart, I mean, I'm assuming he's, he is vaccinated, but, you know, he's not getting any younger. So that's somebody you really don't want to get sick. Yeah, and I, I just thought it would be important to let the fans know, everybody know that Picard is back in filming and because last week we reported that it wasn't. I saw this story and I just thought it was important enough to sque- try to squeeze it in here. So that's what we did. We squeezed it in. So that's our news. That wraps up our news. And now we're going to talk about Star Trek Prodigy. We're going to be talking about last week's episode uh, because we're, we're a week behind. We are going, I, I would like to try to, to get caught up and um, do two episodes at one time so that when We'll be back on track when Discovery comes back, but um, I'll talk to Eric and Charles about that, and we'll make that happen. But at any rate, 
we're going to be talking about Star Trek Prodigy, last week's episode, Kobayashi. So before we go, though, I have to do this. Maybe. What's wrong here? <laughs> I hate it when technology doesn't work. Let's try this Red again. alert! Suffice to say, full black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. Red alert! Suffice to say, full spoilers follow from here on out. So if you haven't watched the episode yet, definitely go check that out first before you watch. You know, technology is great, especially especially when we're live. Well, that's good. We had a red alert and a black alert. We're ready now. That's right. Yeah, we got them both back to back. (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) Anyways, so guys, uh, we have a caller on the line. Before we dive into Prodigy, let's see. Hey, good evening. Thanks for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Uh, It's Nate calling in from Vegas. Better late than never. It's Nate from Vegas. What's happening, buddy? Hey, uh, Eric, Eric asked Noah, asked Noah your questions, yep. and I asked him about Captain Killy and Captain Tilly. So, and his answer was, he said that uh, the Mary that he knows is closer to Captain Killy. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> take take that for what it's worth. So, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Prodigy Kobayashi, and uh, every week I put up on our Facebook page a questionnaire, and I ask you guys, the fans to tell us what you thought about the episode. And then we'll talk about it and see how close we are to what you guys said. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about about last week's episode, Kobayashi? Well, Lisa Hayes says 10, loved it. Uh, Ellen Smock says an 8, I really enjoyed it. Max Antani says 8, fun, nostalgic, educational. Wes Huntington gave it a 10, exclamation point. Tate August Holwick gave it a 10. Top fan Lauren Steele gave it a 7. Dal learns something about leadership. Gwyn finds her purpose. David Simons gave it a 7.5. Says, I suspect, like a lot of others, I spent a lot of the episode trying to place the quotes to the original stories. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on. So, David, uh, I was doing the same thing. Rob Garnett says, an 8. Great episode. Nathan Kornhoff, who's this guy? He says, Yeah, I never I heard of this one. guy. <laughs> he says, I give this one a lot to say. Somebody's a lot to say, <laughs> <laughs> to say so we, we, we cut it down a little bit so he can do it, do it in person. So. We'll see if, <laughs> all right. Present Nathan agrees with past Nathan. Uh, past Nathan says, I give this one a three, and that's only because of my following positives. My positives, I enjoyed that it was an in memoriam episode. It was nice to see legacy characters and the Kobayashi Maru scenario again. Chakotay's cliffhanger appearance was also a plus for me. So thanks, Nathan. Uh, we can talk more about that in a little bit. Top fan Benjamin Samuel Goldschmidt said, I loved it. A 9.5, not perfect, but pretty darn close. And so averaging out our scores for this week, we have a fan score of 8.1 for this episode. And uh, in the past, we did a, a poor job of keeping track of previous Prodigy episodes, but now we're keeping track. So this one holds both the top spot and the bottom spot of our fan <laughs> scores at the moment because it's the only episode that we fan scored. But 8.1 is pretty Yeah, I, I started keeping track of that on our, face, on our uh, show notes now, and then I yep. figured we'd go back at the end of the season 
and we'll do like a season and ending type show for Discovery and Prodigy and all the other shows. And we can go back and take a look at how the fans rated each episode and go through them in order. So that's why I started keeping track of that. I should have been doing that all along, but I don't know why I didn't. But That's all right. We got it for Discovery that goes all the way back, and we've got all the movies and everything, which is always fun to go back and talk about. So, And we, we still have one movie left to do, though. We have to do Star Trek Into Darkness at some point. We've got to squeeze that in somewhere um, so we can have all the movies. And then we can do a special show at where we, we can go through all the movies, how the fans rated them. Mm-hmm. And, and Into I, Darkness you know, or Star Trek Beyond? Uh, no, Star Trek Into Darkness. Yep. Yep. So we, um, so we still need to do uh, Beyond also then. Well, we did them out no, of we, order. Yeah, we oh. did them out of order. Yeah. All right. I, um, I, like to, I like to go back because for me, we're fans, and it's all about the fans. And so I want to include as much of what the fans' input is as ours. So I think it's really interesting and fun to go back and see what the fans thought about it. And then to see how what we thought about it and see how close or how far apart we are from the fans. I just I just think that's cool. So we'll do a we'll do a movie a movie special where we'll go back and revisit all the movies and we'll we'll list them at how the fans scored them and compare that to how we would score them. Just have some fun. We'll do that with Prodigy, we'll do that with Discovery, we'll do that with all the shows as they go along. So anyways, guys, we're going to talk about Star Trek Prodigy Kobayashi. This was a really good one. There was a lot going on in this one. Um, I only have two clips to play for you guys, but they're two great ones, I think. Two fun ones. And we're going to dive right into this episode and really, really dissect it. And we actually have Nathan with us, and he can continue with his review of the episode. It was a rather long one. I chopped it down. Um, we'll, we'll hear his full analysis of the episode when we come back. So don't touch that dial. Don't go away. Run to the bathroom. Run to the microwave. Grab your chicken wings. Grab your, <laughs> your egg rolls, your pizza, whatever, and come right back. Hang out with us because we're not done yet. We've already talked to Noah, which was a blast. And uh, we're going to talk about Star Trek Prodigy. So don't touch that dial. Um, we're going to be right back after this very quick, very awesome message from our very own Sub-Commander Charles. Hi, this is Sub-Commander Charles from Trek Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and related science fiction content. And we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433, Thursday night, from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Coast Time, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinion. Or you can also find us on Facebook. We have faith that you will call. And can we're just, back. Jim, can we're I talking. just say I love Charles's commercial because it's the only commercial that we have that says West Coast Time. Yay, Charles! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I tried in West Coast. That's right, Jim. Represent. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. We're the West Coast. <laughs> Sorry, didn't yep, mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to acknowledge no, that. <laughs> no, we're we're global. We're we're global, baby. You know, we're we're right. like you said, we talked to Una and she was over in the UK. I for, I don't even know what time it was over there. It was like eight hours ahead of me, so five hours ahead of you. Yeah. So, you know, we're uh, all over the place and that's cool. 
We called her about 11, 12 o'clock. So we probably called her about mid, mid evening. Yep. Yep. She, I remember yeah. she said that her daughter was like getting ready for bed. Yep. That was a Saturday. <laughs> that was a Saturday afternoon because I remember I did it from, I did the show from camp. And I remember I was, in, I was in New York and I was walking around outside at a library to get an internet signal. <laughs> yep. But you no, know, these are the things we do to accommodate our our guests, you know. <laughs> so we're talking. We're going to talk about Kobayashi, which um, in this particular episode, uh, briefly, if you haven't seen it, um, of course, we have the crew of the Prodigy. I mean, uh, of um, um, uh, 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 Doll. Doll. That's the name I'm looking for. Doll and his crew, <laughs> and he's a self-appointed captain. And this this episode uh, pretty much evolves around. Him taking the Kobayashi Maru, basically, in a nutshell. And uh, he goes on the holodeck um, with Jake Pock and decides this is a piece of cake. I'm going to take the Kobayashi Maru. Well, we all know about the Kobayashi Maru, and it ain't quite a piece of cake like he thought it was going to be. But what makes this episode stand out and so special, in my case, and, and obviously uh, Nathan agreed with me too, and I think you guys might as well, is... Yeah. This I'm going to play this clip for you guys right here, right now. You knew we couldn't do this show without this clip. And I'm calling this clip the best crew. What about this J.T. Kirk guy? I'm pretty sure we already have a captain on board. Computer, just <laughs> give me some of the best you got. Acknowledged. Populating crew. Communications officer Ahura. All deck standing by, sir. Chief Medical Officer, Beverly Crusher. Looks like you could use some help, Captain. Chief of Security, Odo. <laughs> and Science Officer, Fox. Request permission to come aboard. I like this guy. You should take notes, Jenkum. Permission granted. <sighs> this is gonna be easy. What's the sit here? Outpost 2 coming into sensor range, Captain. Have a blip on the motion sensor, Captain. Captain. I'm getting something on the distress channel. Now we're talking. Put her through. Terrator, this is the Kobayashi Maru. We have struck a gravitic mine and have lost all power. <laughs> what a bunch of whiners. Sir, that ship is located in Gamma Hydra Section 10. The neutral zone. Okay. What's the big deal? Look, the neutral zone is all that separates the Federation from the Klingons. No one is allowed in. Entry into which by either side <coughs> constitute an act of war. I'm leaving 87 lives, Captain. Shields failing, hull breach imminent. They're um... running out of time. Quick show of hands. Does anyone know these people? Excuse me. What does it matter? <laughs> so nobody then. Okay, this one's easy. Reverse course and warp us out of here. You heard the cap. Back it up. Not acceptable. Their very lives hang on what we do. Or on what this vessel fails to do. All good points. Everybody, everybody, calm down. I'm in command, so I'm allowed to. I don't care whether it's the Laura or not. I will not do it. You can order me all you want. As of now, I'm resigning my commission. Ooh, let's do that. Yes, mutiny. Yes, mutiny, mutiny, <laughs> mutiny. No. Jeez, everybody cool it. Ah. <sighs> Fine. Change course for the neutral zone. That's not good enough. May very well start a war. But you just told me to go in there. We have two Klingon ships closing out of us. Bearing 136 Mark IV. 
What the? Where'd they come from? Battle stations, all hands, battle stations. We are surrounded. Photon torpedoes locking on target. Simulation complete. <laughs> Simulation. <laughs> right. Oh, that tank Pog knew the whole time. Captain assessment score, 3%. Leadership, 2%. Judgment, 0.1%. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jankum Pug is going to blast this out to the others. So my crew never respects me again? <laughs> no. I can do this. Boot it back up. So there, there's one other legacy character that shows up in this clip that I, I didn't want to play the whole episode, but we also see <laughs> Scotty. And Scotty shows up in his monster maroon that we see him wearing in the Star Trek movies. And that was the other legacy character that shows up in this episode, as well as the ones we already saw. So, yep. let's let, you know what? We already heard from Nathan, so why don't we start it off with Nathan? Because I, I cut <clears throat> his explanation a little bit short because it was very long. So, Nate, you gave this episode a three, so why don't you start us off? All right. Well, I just want to point out that in that clip right there, the computer had it spot on. He has all the computer said all those low numbers for that character, and that is spot on for that character. Um, so, uh, speaking of that character, he is one of my negatives uh, because I can't stand him, and I've stated that before. And I promised you, although I didn't, I hadn't seen this episode before. I promised you last week that I'd bring the negative Nancy. So they, they forced me to do it by focusing this entire episode, for the most part, on what I believe is the worst character in the series. Uh, so he is, he is by far uh, my least favorite character uh, and dragged the whole episode down for me. Um, I pointed out in my review on your Facebook page that he, I got a very Boimler versus the Borg holodeck experience from it, which the, it, this is basically a rehash of. Um, so uh, I didn't appreciate that. And uh, I would have liked to have seen, because um, they pointed out where the rest of the crew approached him earlier in the episode, that uh, and basically told him, that they unanimously, uh, except for him, came to the decision to go to the Federation uh, and that he basically, uh, they pointed out to him that he basically self-appointed himself captain. So I think this episode would have gone a little bit better for me if any of the other kids that wanted to be captain also went through the test uh, instead of focusing uh, the whole episode on him. Uh, let's see here. Um, and then the other problem I had, we, uh, we just heard all the used audio clips. Uh, to me, they, this is a professional company. Viacom CBS uh, is involved with this. They have money. They should have been able to uh, clean up those clips. They, uh, they, they, they sounded too choppy to me, and you could hear a lot of background um, uh, from the episodes that they took uh, them from, and I didn't, uh, I didn't, uh, like Eric said, he, he tried to, uh, or he briefly said that he tried to uh, pick up what episodes that they came from, 
Um, they could have spent a little bit of their big bucks to clean up those um, those uh, audio clips to make them sound a little bit better and fitting uh, the dialogue a little bit better for the story that they were trying to uh, portray. Uh, but again, you had, uh, you had already said uh, my positives is the fact that this is a in memoriam episode. So I did appreciate uh, all of the uh, past um, actors, uh, the actors that had passed away. Obviously, Michelle Nichols has not passed away, thankfully, yet, uh, but they brought her back in. Uh, and then, I don't know, uh, with uh, Gates McFadden um, reprising her role, when she first spoke, and you could hear it in, the, in that clip that you just played, it it didn't sound like Gates to me. It almost sounded like uh, Kate Mulgrew playing the part at first. So I don't know if it was because she wasn't uh, used to voice acting uh, yet, but as, as she played through the episode, it began to sound a lot more like her. But at first I thought it was uh, Kate Mulgrew playing uh, Gates' part in there. So I think, I think, I think that, might have been, that might have been like an age thing, Nathan. I was wondering if, you know, we haven't heard Gates McFadden as Beverly Crusher in, you know, 20, 30 years. So I was wondering, I noticed that too, right when she first started speaking, the once she got into a group. But I was wondering if that was just the difference in, you know, hearing her this, this many years later. And, you know, Nate, I was wondering, I, I thought it was just, it was just me. When I was watching the episode, I watched it twice. When I was watching the episode, when they played the clips, particularly from Spock, yeah. they they did the audio level and and uh, and quality did not match the rest of the audio in the episode. You could clearly hear where it was chopped out, and you could clearly hear background noise from the episode that could have been cleaned up. And they did the same thing with Odo, and you know all the clips that they played were very sloppy and not not done very well you could clearly tell that they were edited clips and they the quality did not match the uh the high definition quality audio that we're hearing on the rest of the show and that stuck out like a sore thumb at least when i was watching it it did i don't know if you guys had that happen or not um but um on my surround sound it it popped right out at me like boom you know that's a clip boom that's a clip boom that's a clip and I, I agree with you, Nate. They could have cleaned that up and matched that with the rest of the episode so it wasn't so glaring. I did have that problem, too. I don't know if anyone else did. Yeah, yeah. No, but. I mean, we all heard the same thing. Uh, I totally agree with that. I feel like they do have plenty of money. They should have been able to at least level those things out, compress them, do, you know, there's lots of little tricks you can play with audio, and that's all digitized now, so you can just use a computer to do it. Um I also kind of half agree with what uh, what Nate was saying about it being a little bit of a rehash of the Boimler Lower Decks episode. I mean, it's the same type of thing where he's trying to test himself over and over again. And then in the end, you know, the way he defeats the Kobayashi Maru, spoiler alert, is he uses pretty much the same technique that, um, that Kelvin Kirk uses uh during star trek beyond with the beastie boys thing where he just like blares it really loud and that somehow distracts everybody and makes the scenario winnable so so if you take those three things out of it i really liked this episode oh also 
I Nate once upon a time said that Jankum Pog was somebody he didn't really care for, and I believe your exact words were something like, "That's no Tellerite." And I have to say that I'm agreeing more and more with that. Um, he just like he doesn't speak like a Tellerite. He's not grumpy enough. He refers to himself in the third person all the time. He's quickly becoming. I don't mind Dahl at all. I actually kind of like him uh, because I think he's learning and becoming a better character now. Jankum Pog just. I don't know. He just doesn't have too much depth to me. So I hope they, they expand on him a little bit. Okay. That being said, all of the fan service in here was awesome. Of course you had Dal, you know, playing that Katara game that Wesley gets addicted to in that TNG episode, the game um, you get Janeway taking us through a whole bunch of different episodes when she introduces the holodeck and what it's capable of, which was really cool. Uh, I liked that when they brought back all those legacy characters, they brought them back in different uniforms you know they had uh uhura was like in the old style but they brought scotty back in the movie uniforms um you know odo coming back and just being like that was pretty funny (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so overall i really and then the chakotay reveal at the end was really cool so i i really am still digging prodigy personally i really think the protostar is a super cool ship there was a lot that I liked about this episode and I liked the kind of lesson that Dal learns in the end. And I think it's supposed to make him a better captain. And I hope that he actually changes and isn't just quite so snarky uh, in the next episode. Uh, all right. I have one more clip to play since uh, Eric with the cat out of the bag and he's running around the house now. Um, I have one more. I've got one more clip to play that I was going to talk about, but we'll do it now. And this is called My First Crew. Ooh, who are they? Suddenly realizing you aren't my first crew. Dun 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 dun. What a <laughs> cliffhanger, huh? <laughs> well, in my defense too, one of our fans had mentioned the the uh, reveal early as well. But yeah, cool to see him again because he is a character that I, despite his shortcomings in Voyager, I still liked. Um, I thought he was an excellent pair um, for Kate Mulgrew's Janeway. So I guess the question becomes, you know, does the Diviner have Chakotay and the crew on the planet still? Because they're listed yeah. in the credits as appearing in like eight or nine episodes. And I think it would get kind of redundant if everyone keeps coming back as a hologram. So, you know, well, I have yeah, to think I mean, that. Right. You know, and are they going to go back? I mean, they've, they've gone 4,000 light years in one direction now. And so the Diviner and all them are 4,000 light years behind them. Are they going to go, are they going to go back? Or are they going to find them along the way? I don't know. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna go back and try to rescue him. Is what I think. But now, what I think is doesn't this matter. This the episode. In this episode, is this the one that I just want to make sure I'm not. I'm, I haven't watched tonight's episode or yeah, tonight's episode. Well, then you're fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I just want to make sure that this is the episode that it says 17 years ago. Is that this episode? And it gives a start. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
So I was watching other YouTube channels. Obviously, this isn't a YouTube channel, but I was watching YouTube channels. <laughs> and uh, in the comment section of those YouTube channels, and then they've discussed after uh, the fact that the star date that's given uh, and the fact that it says 17 years ago, the star date that's given is actually like a week after uh, the Battle of Wolf 359. Oh, so if if they it's have not. been searching for the protostar right. since the Battle of Wolf since before the Battle of Wolf three five nine, then we're dealing with some temporal shenanigans yeah. in this in this theory. I don't know if you guys caught that or not. Well, I didn't catch that, but now it makes total sense. And I was wondering if maybe that's kind of a big secret about the engine. Maybe that's how it goes so fast. Is it's like some kind of temporal thing? Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Very int- fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> My <laughs> eyebrow is going up right now. Fascinating. <laughs> only one. Only one. Yeah, only one. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Shannon, what did you think about this episode, and what would you score it on one to ten? Okay, as an adult watching it, or for kids, because it's a completely different score. <laughs> well, I, whatever, whatever makes your boat flow. Whatever, whatever you want to share okay. with us. Well, I think it'd be good for kids more than for adults, like other than the fan service, which was fun to watch, but it didn't leave an impression because I had to go back and watch again because I didn't really remember any of it other than the fan service. So, you know, I'd give it like a five because it doesn't really, you know, it's the same thing we see every time. We all know how to beat the Kobe Masters cheating. So is that really yeah. wanting to show the kids to do that? No. No. I like you though. I, I mean, I think that there, if you if you had never seen Star Trek and you were a younger viewer, you wouldn't know what the Kobayashi Maru is. Maybe you know mm-hmm. you would know Odo Spock. You would know any of these people. Right. Um, so it's a good introduction for viewers that mm-hmm. don't know, especially younger viewers that wouldn't know. But for us, right. yeah, we, we've we've seen that a thousand times. So, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. That swings us right around, right around to Las, back to Las Vegas, but this time, Charles. Well, one of the things that I caught the first watching was when I watched, oh, and I started to turn away from the credits, and then I looked, it's like, wait a minute, I had to backtrack and look at the credits. And did anybody chance, get a chance to see the first page of the credits? Yeah, yeah I had the dedication go... that they were talking about, that Nate was talking about. Yep. In memory of Rene Ajawal. Arbor. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Johan and Leonard Nimoy, inspi- who inspired us to go boldly. And I saw that and just, wow. Then I saw the actual credits in there. And you were talking about, well, we got to get the quality in there. I wonder if one, because they were copying items, that they had a limited amount of editing they could actually do to those actual quotes. But I also wonder if it was a bit, because I do know that I've heard that uh, the guys from Stockyard, Shipyard, went through and did get every quote source. But I wonder if the idea that the quality was a little rough 
<clears throat> was to make them a little more of a dedication to the Star to the Star Trek fan, the dedicated Star Trek fan. You mean in love with that way intentionally? Be like, oh, yeah, intentionally by saying, oh, the kids are going to sit there and not maybe worry about this. Oh, this sounds off a little bit. Whereas the parents going to be, some of the parents are going to be like, oh, I wonder what, okay, which line was, okay, that was from that episode. Well, that might have been from that episode, where I think it was a little bit of a homage to the Trekkies watching to kind of gather, okay, let's make them a little unclear so that maybe we're going to get the fans, the Trekkies, talking about this episode. It's like, oh, they're going to want to start watching the series too, wondering what might happen and what they might throw in. You know, I think you're, I think I also, you're on to something, Charles. I think that I think I you're absolutely right. The song if, they, if they use... Go ahead. If they if they go back and they remaster and re-edit that audio, they're altering it, and then they'd have to pay to show it, like they did with Trouble uh, Trials and Tribulations and Voyager's Flashback. But if they use them as they are, Paramount owns the rights to those to those to that audio, and they can use that audio over and over and over again without having to pay residuals. But if they go back and they remaster it, now they're altering it. It's no longer the same. And then I think it might fall under the residuals clause. And I don't think they wanted to get into paying out all, you know, ex- extra money. So yeah. they just use the originals. I think you might be on to something. Uh, you're probably right. But, man, we have the technology. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, but if you tweak them too much, then you're going to sit there and get into a lot of higher costs. Now... Uh, we always complain about the Beastie Boys in Star Trek 2009 series. Uh, when he blasted the music, <laughs> at least the opener to it, what was, uh, what was the song? Thunder. Yeah, it, was, it was ACDC. <laughs> yeah, ACDC Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck by ACDC. I thought that was an interesting choice to put that one on there. They kind of worked out, they kind of tweaked that song a little bit so you couldn't quite tell it. But even a closed caption kind of caught that right at the beginning. It's like, oh, this is Thunderstruck by ACD. It's like, oh, interesting choice in there. But I liked how, I kind of, I liked how he kind of sat there and did this. He kind of did that, okay, let's, Let's make it so loud that it disrupts the Klingon. And it's like, yes, let's let's send off our warp core. It's like, okay, that's, I wouldn't have thought about that way. That was an interesting way of going after the, the three Klingon ships. But then, of course, he goes through and wipes out his own ship. But I like how the computer turns around and says, oh, well, this is a no-win situation. And I like the computer saying that. That was always the crew kind of stating that. But I like the computer actually admitting, yes, this is a no-win situation. And what would you score on a scale of 1 to 10? 
Uh, I'm going to go just a little bit of the fan. Let's have an 8.3. 8.3? Yeah, you know, I'm, I think yeah. I'm right there with you, Charles. 8.2, 8.3. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing the, the Kobe Ishimaru uh, being tried all the different ways. Just think about it if you were a, as a fan. If they had a Kobe yeah. Ishimaru game and you had to play it on your computer or whatever, the, how would you try to beat it? And I, and I was, I was watching yeah. all the different ways he was trying to come up with. And, uh, you know, and I love the Klingons in the episode when he's blaring the music and the Klingons are like, what the hell is this? I thought that was humorous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I did, I did, um, I did enjoy it. And especially the, yeah. the memorandum. I actually had to go back and pause it uh, to make, to read what was on the screen. Uh, oh, because when I was here. watching it, it immediately went to the next episode. And I was like, no, 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 you idiots. I want to read that. So I had to go back and and yeah. rewatch that screen. So, yeah, I, I did, oh, I did I, enjoy I did those. I went through, I went through yeah. those a little slower, looking through some of those credits. Because I was like, oh, no, no, I got to see some of those credits. But Chakotay popping up at the end, I thought was, was – I wasn't expecting that. I was still reeling from seeing Spock and – Odo and Scotty, yeah. and here, here Chakotay shows up, and I was like, "Wow, they're really dropping everything on us in this episode, aren't they?" Um, so I was, I was happy to see Captain Chakotay. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see where it goes. So this was well, really listen, guys. A good, good episode for the kids. At the same time, as a real good homage to the Trekkie. Yeah, I think it was well balanced. Um, we're out of time, believe it or not. So I want to say thank you so yeah. much to Shannon for calling in and hanging out with us and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thanks for letting me come on. Oh, oh, hey, we have a caller. We have a caller on the line before we go. Let's see. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Hello? Trek talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello. Hello. This way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey. This way? Uh, for the, uh, yeah, Ray, what's yeah, up, Ray? Way. How you doing, my brother? How you doing? I'm sorry I came in late. I'm sorry I was walking in the house. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I was walking in the house just now. I'm sorry about that. I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, did they came in the right time? No, we're we're the the show is pretty much over. We're just we're just saying good night, Ray. I think we we missed you. <laughs> Sorry about that. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll keep my brother. Okay. Um, can I let about like two minutes at least? We, we'll, we'll try to squeeze you in before we run out of time. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. You know what I'm sorry about that. But you know what I'm saying? I know I missed a lot of shit. I've been working and everything else. You know, blah, blah. But you know, you know this. We know this. Though I love, I, I love going back to school one time. I, I just been watching it was the episode of Piece of Action, and that was, and that was my favorite flick, yo. Piece of Piece, piece of Action, you know, you know the, the gangs right there. Yep. That's all. That's all. Let you guys know. Excellent. That's a good episode. Yeah. All right, Ray. Well, we got to We got to yeah. get going because we're out of time. So. Um, I got to cut you loose here, but thanks for calling, right? 
No problem. There's no problem. I call that name. I call that name to the all time. I, I switch on time. All right. Thanks a lot, Ray. Have a good night. You too, bud. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. So I want to say I want to take, say thank you to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight, Eric. Thank you so much. You better believe it. Thanks very much. That was fun. And uh, we we definitely got to say thank you so much to uh, our very own Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles. Oh, what a fun show tonight! Yeah, it was great. And and thank you, thank you so much to to uh, Shannon for hanging out with us. And uh, yeah, it was fun. And Nathan, thank mm-hmm. you so much, Nathan. And of course, of course, we have to say thank you to Noah himself. It was great to talk to Noah. Didn't you guys have a lot of fun talking with Noah tonight? Yeah, he was really cool. Yeah, great, great yeah. guest. Uh, and he loved to tell good stories, which always makes for a great interview. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. And maybe we'll have to have him back on again later. And thanks to, to Ray for calling in from the Bronx, even though it was late. We, we appreciate that. Thank you, Ray. And, of course, I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And I want to say to everybody, please, stay safe and be good to each other. Remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. And we'll be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. We'll be talking about the Prodigy episode that's on right now, tonight. I haven't watched it yet, but I will. And whatever the title of that episode is, we'll be talking about that next week. And go to our Facebook page. Give us a like. Give us a follow. I didn't um, – did I do the numbers? I don't think I did, no, did I? I don't think so. No, we sort of skipped over that at the beginning of the show, but that's okay because we got more time with Noah. Yeah, I, I think I missed that, but um, let me go back up to the beginning here. Yeah, so we have 80,699 followers on our Facebook page. So let's see if we can get that up to 81,000 before next week. You can do that by heading over to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. Um, spell it all out. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Tell us where you're from. If there's a heart next to your name, that means I chose you, and you'll be mentioned on a future fan shout-out. And as of right now, we have 75,769 downloads of this podcast. That's just wow. awesome. That's just incredible. And it wouldn't be possible without you guys, the fans. So thank you so much. And without any further ado, we are out of time. So thank you so much, everybody. Be good to each other. Stay safe. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Thank you all. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.